world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard. Fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. Broadcasting from behind the Second Amendment Iron Curtain, in the shadows of the New York City skyline, this is Gun For Hire Radio, the voice of one million New Jersey gun owners, with your hosts, Sandy Berardi and Master Firearms Trainer, Anthony Calandra. Hi from the land that's freedom for God, please listen to Second Amendment Broadcasting Nation. Welcome to it. Please make sure the volume is fine. I'm tired of hearing complaints. Our guests got to speak up too. Please, please, please. Listen, listeners out there, this is a very it's important not very show. Much we can do about your we, shut up. Right. This is a very important show. We're going to be discussing red flag laws and how it affects you in New Jersey and across the entire United States. I am outnumbered today. I'm in the studio with one doctor. Berardi, another doctor, Petricelli, Dennis Petricelli, the, the guest, and he brought two friends with him, a Dr. Jalenella and a Dr. Fiore. I am in big trouble. I'm the patient today, I guess. So I'm it's hoping four for a to one. Because later we're going to have fun. <laughs> no proctologists in here. Thank you. So without further ado, um, this gentleman reached out to me a few weeks ago, said he wants to come on the show, and it's Dr. Dennis Petricelli from Virginia. And uh, he's looking forward to meeting me, and he's uh, uh, he's pretty fired up he's the, because the Virginia Crime Commission is taking public testimony of a set of gun grab bills that would make New Yorkers blush. He'll be there, and he's speaking for Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership, DRGO.us. We've heard of that organization before, haven't we? If you we? are a doctor or an allied health professional, it is an organization you have to belong to. Absolutely. So, There's far too many medical professionals that, unfortunately, have bought into the whole Bloomberg gun control idea and uh, sadly they're controlling the narrative on data that's just false they're controlling the narrative everywhere Everywhere. by the way uh bloomberg like uh, evan nabin said the only thing he hasn't purchased yet was the supreme court yet yeah okay and that's a problem so doc where in virginia is your practice so i work in uh, richmond virginia i work at a public health center and a state hospital as well wow and uh what brought you to gun for hire radio drgl or well um so much had happened in Virginia so very quickly. And initially, when I joined Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership, I said, you know, I'd really prefer to be anonymous. Uh, my specialty is what I would call non-permissive about guns. Um, I really didn't know how it would work. Um, unfortunately, Virginia is really inching towards a more California, New York style of representation. The large cities are controlling the electoral votes. Um, And we've got huge challenges coming up. We've got three seats that protect us, three votes in the General Assembly. And without that, the Democrats would push through all kinds of gun control. And so more recently, I've decided I can't be anonymous anymore. I have to speak out. I'm hearing far too many lies coming from the other side, from professionals like myself. And so I thought it was just essential to get the word out. So that's how I reached out to you. Boy, do we need more like you. And everybody out there listening, drgo.us, you can go on there and you can find doctors that are are like-minded thinkers and constitutionalists and uh, respect our rights and privacy where they're not going to say, do you have guns in the house? You know, when a questionnaire. And DRGO also has on their site uh, tips on how to respond to those questions. Absolutely. Uh, They have the... uh, 
the standard politically correct answers, and then they also have tips on how to be a you know a, a thorn in the doctor's side, which I prefer. So. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. asking him if his insurance covers, if that's his wheelhouse, right? You know, Dr. Redeen has discussed that on the mm-hmm. show previously, where you asked the doctor, when did he become an expert in this? I thought he was a do- medical doctor. Right. Does his insurance company know he's answering, que- asking questions like this? So it's nice to turn it around, I believe. So, so Doc, New Jersey, September 1st, starts our red flag law, which violates a bunch of amendments. Uh, California has one already. Many other states have adopted them. And yes. you know, it looks like there's going to be federal bill that's going to be pushed through this September as well, whether it'll go through because we still control the, the Senate by the skin of our teeth. But but New Jersey's is probably is, – is, would you consider it the worst red flag law? It, it's got to be the worst. And, you know, the thing that's amazing about it is this. If you go to the public and you say, would you like a bill that would prevent dangerous people from getting a gun – the answer is, of course, at the surface level, yes. None of us want dangerous people, whoever they are, to have weapons. But when you actually look at how these laws are written, and then you look at how they're implemented, I think most people would think very differently. So what the other side is doing is it's ans- asking a question that everyone would say yes to, and then as using that as a Trojan horse, it sneaks in something that robs us of all the liberties we have. If you look at the New Jersey bill, anybody could petition there's no due process, meaning the hearing happens unbeknownst to the gun owner. The gun owner isn't there. If uh, the judge is persuaded by a very low standard of evidence that there's some risk posed, your guns are confiscated. Only at the second hearing can you be present, and only then do you find out what the evidence is against you. There's no guarantee of representation if you can't afford it. And this was the shocker. The New Jersey court system and the Attorney General have decided that there will be no rules of evidence in these hearings. So not only is there no due process, but there's no limitations on what anyone could say. In other words, hearsay could come in, anything they want to say. Social media posts? Everything. Everything. My daughter's friend's roommate heard X. That comes in. And unless you have some incredible representation, there'd be really no way to defend yourself against that. So it it really puts the cart before the horse. Uh, and accuses you of guilt uh, before you could even begin to prove your innocence. Knappen posted that when the red flag law is implemented, uh, the New Jersey court dockets are going to be scheduled out to the year 3000. They're going to be so backed up because they're backed up now. And let's talk a little bit, Doc, about uh, the Constitution states only one command twice in the entire Constitution. The Fifth Amendment says that the federal government... That, that no one shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. The 14th Amendment, which was ratified in 1868, uses the same 11 words called the Due Process Clause to describe a legal, legal obligation of all states. These words have as their central promise an assurance that all levels of American government must operate within the law and provide fair procedures. Most of this essay concerns that that promise. We shall briefly note, however, uh, three other uses that these words have been used in American constitutional law, but two times in the Constitution, the 15th and, uh, the 5th and the 14th Amendment says that no one shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So now the lawsuits will begin, obviously, but people are going to get arrested. People are going to lose their jobs, their homes, their families, their businesses, everything, correct? Right. I, you know, I think the challenge is, first of all, 
I could only imagine what it would cost to obtain representation even at the initial level, right? So in other words, if, if you're the subject of this, your guns are taken, you have a very limited time to get ready for a hearing. You don't know what's going to be brought to that hearing, right? So you've got to obtain an attorney. Um, presuming that you fail at that point and you have to appeal it, I mean, these will be many thousands of dollars cases that will go on for months and months and months. Um, so I, I, think, I think the respondents are at a huge disadvantage here. Um, there's very little uh, against the other side in terms of bringing a false complaint. In other words, it's all operating. See, here's the thing. Um, the the so-called public health people are screaming that there's a public health emergency here, which there's not. And obviously, I'm not for any death by, by firearm or any other uh, death for that matter. But if you look at Virginia, you have 1,000 uh, deaths per year that are one way or another related to a firearm. Two-thirds are suicide. Mm -hmm. And, and that holds true uh, across the country. Pretty much two-thirds of these firearm deaths are suicide. So the idea that one law would be used to contain suicide death, gang violence, drug violence, other forms of criminality is just absurd. Um, but, but that's what these people believe. So they're all about if we save one life, we're doing good. Well, that means they're going to take away a huge number of weapons to save that one life. So you mentioned another number of states have these laws. Connecticut's had one since the late 90s. And the whole point of that law was to prevent mass uh, killings. Hasn't prevented a single homicide, as far as we could tell. As far as suicide goes, what, when they took the data, they torture it, right? So they use these statistical methods to get the data to tell them whatever they want. So after they torture the hell out of the data, they come up with 10 to 20 confiscations might save one life. Might. You really look at the data, what you see is 22 people that had their guns taken still killed themselves because the, they're roaming around. They, sure. they took the guns. They're going to find another they're means. They're going to find another means, exactly. Or they'll bide their time. A, a number of considerations there. Since California passed red flag laws, there's 449 cases working their way through the courts where people are trying to get their guns and their freedom back. It doesn't sound like a lot with a state as populous as California, but just think about it. It's almost 500 lives and families. How many are legitimate out of that? Right. right. Well, if you look at even the most conservative statistics, and this comes from the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, which tried to squelch the data because it didn't fit the party line. <laughs> but there's, there's about 500,000 at a low end defensive gun uses per year. And this is what the, the public health side refuses to acknowledge. They look at it, one less gun, we have a safer community. And that's absurd because of the defensive gun usages, right? So how many of those would have saved lives? I think quite a lot. So when you start doing a public health analysis, you really have to take into account that guns are essential for safety. They're saving lives. But we're so, not supposed to know that. Uh, I'm not speaking, you know, but no, all, know. all the professional associations would be having a cow right now yes. if they're listening. Yes, well, too bad. Exactly. Somebody has to speak up because we are out numbered yes we are outnumbered now and uh you know the assault weapons ban and everybody talks about for better background checks let's talk about the mental health background check system so nicholas cruz down in parkland the police were at his house 22 times he pointed a handgun to his mom or foster mom's head stepmother whoever she was never reported 
Never, never sent up to Nix. The Parkland police squashed it. In uh, in Texas, the church shooter uh, was dishonorably discharged from the Air Force for beating up his girlfriend and her three-year-old son. Was dishonorably discharged, and the Air Force neglected to upload it to the Nix system. All right, and he was allowed to buy guns. So, how does that work? Our system is broken already. Right. So my my beef with among my many beefs with the red flag <laughs> laws, and I. <laughs> We could probably spend the whole weekend. But, Good. Keep talking. But but uh, all of these things require that if someone is aware of someone doing something dangerous, that they, they come forward. And there's nothing about these laws that aren't contained in other parts of, of every state's laws. So every state in the union has a means of bringing someone for evaluation for mental health purposes. Anybody can activate that system. For example, in Virginia, you go to the local magistrate 24-7, you swear out a petition. If the magistrate is so moved, the police bring the person to a place of evaluation and go forward. Um, if you look at uh, any of these mass shooters, okay, the National Threat Assessment Center, which is part of the Secret Service, looked at all of the mass killings that occurred in public spaces and listed out a number of uh, sort of behaviors that these people might engage in. A lot of them are criminal behaviors, right? So if someone points a gun to someone's head, right, at the least brandishing, if not threatening, a million offenses are committed there. That needs to be prosecuted as a crime. I'm not interested in the guy's gun at that point. I'm sure. interested in him. I want him put away. So if, if the people that had observed that had gone to the police, if the police had then prosecuted it as a crime, as a function of being a pretrial defendant for a serious offense, he'd be a prohibited person. That would, t that would take him out of the system and separate him from his guns. So my opinion is it's much better that we use the laws we have that have due process in them, that have stood the test of time and constitutionality, instead of creating a new law that just takes the weapon. If someone's dangerous, I don't want them getting into explosive knives, other things. I mean, look at the Boston Massacre. It was done with nails and, and pressure cookers. Correct. What do we get? We're going to make a, a, a pressure cooker restraining order next? We have to take the person. Um, so a new law is not going to help. When, when criminal actions are committed, that needs to be handled criminally. And the problem with these red flag laws is you don't have to do anything. Right? So a lot of times people will say, politicians, well, if someone does something dangerous, we want a law to be able to reach out and grab their guns. That's not what the bill says. The bill says that the judge can consider certain things, but they're not required to have occurred before we go get your weapons. This is, this is pre-crime. This is right mm -hmm. out of science mm -hmm. fiction. Yes. Um, and, and that's what's so very dangerous about it. And we've had a system in place for many, many years that had due process. It's called dial 911. Mm -hmm. Before 911, it was called dial the police. And then we have, in the like you said, we have a tried and true system that's been tested through the Constitution Correct. and through all of the courts in 50 states that you call 911 and you go through the normal system. Listen, I had it done. I went through a divorce and threats were made by my ex and soon-to-be ex and her boyfriend. And I had a restraining order and I had to go to court and I had to turn in my carry permit and my FID card. I was manhandled and treated like crap, but my due process was never violated. Correct. And in the end, I won. cost me a ton of money. Correct. Uh, cost me a lot, but uh, but the system does work. It was based on hearsay. There was no proof, but still, once the bell has rung, like in a state like New Jersey, the prosecutor takes your FID card, 
They take your guns. If you have a carry permit, they take it. Then they have 30 days to do an investigation. Wow. And a lot of times they don't find anything. Me, I was deemed a, uh, um, a good for her resume because I'm a Second Amendment advocate. And what it was the exact terminology was I'm a big fish in the 2A community, so I'm, I'm good for her resume. So I got railroaded for what, three years? Three years. Three years for that. Now, with the, you know, now that it's red flag is... And, and it, the countless... Hundreds of thousands. Oh, of dollars. total of almost a half a million dollars. Goodness gracious! And I had to go report. Uh, nothing like going to Passaic mm. County Probation once a month and sit with all of the uh, Drug druggies addicts, and uh, child support offenders yeah. and uh, pee pee in a cup once a month. The way mine was written was: uh, first two weeks, I, I wasn't allowed within 500 feet of my range. And then my settlement... Of your, of your range. I, my range, yeah. The prosecutor said, I own my own business. I don't need to be there. It runs itself. Um, <laughs> so, and then Because they, as a prosecutor, he knows about running a business. Yeah, of course. she. Yes. she. Okay. And so then what happened was part of my agreement, I, I pled guilty to two third-degree allegations because the legal battle was becoming so costly and it was it, in affecting how I was running my business. <clears throat> I finally said to my legal team, I said, why don't we just throw it out there and see if we could... Uh, get a plea deal and so they did and the prosecutor came back with a plea deal so I paid a huge fine I pled guilty to two third degree accusations I got in pretrial intervention I had to sign a statement uh, that I would come into my range I wasn't allowed past the radio studio I couldn't go into retail I couldn't go into either of the ranges and I couldn't go into any classrooms if there was guns exposed and I had to allow the Morris County prosecutors access to our cameras 24-7 if they wanted to see if I violated that if I did then I would waive my right and I have to go right to trial blah 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 so for one year I couldn't go past a radio studio of my own business I, I was gonna cry practicing with a Glock with a 10-round magazine I don't yeah. know how you could have one year so then you needed my help for that year. You should have called me sooner. Please. So after the year was over, it actually took the judge another three months to sign the release order. So that was 15 months. Right. Then I waited another two months for the paperwork to come for me. That's 17 months. Now I, it was 17 months before I could walk around my entire range and run my business. Then I had to wait six months and I applied for an expungement which is costly okay. also. Yeah. The expungement took about four months, and I got my expungement, and now I have no record anymore. Gotcha. gotcha. But if you're an average guy, how are you going to spend a who, half a million dollars? Who could do this? And, and look at what, what you went through in a process. I, I'm going to say it preserved due process. Y you and I both know that that's a little different for those kind of proceedings. Mm -hmm. but, but nonetheless... That was through a legitimate process, Correct. right? It might have been mean-spirited. He's using air quotes, yeah. which is the, the truth. You know, it, it, it wasn't done in good faith by anybody involved, but nonetheless, it had some constitutional protections. Imagine what it would look like without any of the constitutional protections. Yeah. Right? Correct. So That's no, what I'm, no, I'm trying to drive that home to no, people. No due process up front, no rules of evidence, um, and, and how deep are your pockets? Correct. So this is why um, I had a cow when I see any of the rhinos running around saying, you know, maybe these red flag laws are something to look at. Because not only do you have to look at the bill, right, the text of the bill and realize there's no due process, then you have to understand how the state court system works, right? So you guys have this novel feature where the court system could decide, well, we don't need rules of evidence. That's, that's unique to each state. I'm not quite sure if Virginia will be able to do that. They'll copy us. I'm, well, that's the problem. What happened to New Jersey, Sandy? 
Yeah, it doesn't stay in Nigeria. Correct. Yeah. No, no. Your people come down, they yes. bring your laws yep. down. I was in a red state. I was free and clear, and so then things you, happened. Before red flag laws, this is how you game the system. If you want to get somebody's guns taken away, you go before the court and you ask for a restraining order. Right. Well, if you go during the day when court is open, you go before a judge, you have to list a specific time, date, location, and incident, and they decide whether to uh, issue a temporary, a TRO, temporary restraining order. I got to go. Uh, I'm going to talk about TROs when we come back. Dr. Dennis Petricelli from Virginia. you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise and although Katie is only five feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her six foot four, 250 pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day, she was prepared. In her pocketbook, a harmless looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000 pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. And what better way to say I love you than giving the ones you love a gift to keep them safe? Lipstick Bodyguard. It looks just like a beautiful little lipstick, but just like a beautiful woman, it has the power to bring a grown man to his knees. Lipstick Bodyguard. Fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. Just follow the link on the GunForHireRadio.com homepage. This segment is brought to you by Shooters Gauntlet. ShootersGauntlet.com. Bob Ramo got his 
helicopter. Oh, no way. He he's did. got a helicopter hull, and he's going to set it up on a oh cable system, so you're going to be able to go in the helicopter hull and shoot handguns, rifles, shotguns, and machine guns as the helicopter is racing down the mountain, <laughs> or whatever he's going to configure. Shootersgauntlet.com. You can zip line and shoot. You can zip line inverted and draw from your holster and shoot. There's another I man paid, who needs your help, Dennis. I, I paid for an all-day zip lining shooting experience for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She has not, not redeemed it yet. Yeah. I do I do not know why, but she has not redeemed it yet, but I think it would be really cool for her. We should add Senate uh, President Loretta <laughs> Weinberg to that. So, so what happens is, let's go back to TRO in sure. New Jersey. Yeah. So you go before a judge and you have to be questioned by that judge. Well, when your soon-to-be ex-wife's boyfriend's a cop, they know how to game the system. You oh, go oh, to wait, wait, wait. When your soon-to-be ex-wife's boyfriend is a cop who worked with the husband of the prosecutor who's prosecuting you. Yes, that's that. And and the and the and the previous cop, her 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 paramour worked for me for five years too. But that's another story. So, <laughs> so you go to the police department one or two o'clock in the morning. And you say, hi, I'm Mary, blah, 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 and I'm going through a divorce, and my husband's six foot tall and 300 pounds, and he owns a gun store, and I feel threatened. The cop takes a statement. They dial the phone. There's municipal court judges, superior court judges that are on rotation. They wake up Joe, Judge Schmo, 3 o'clock in the morning. Hi, Your Honor, we have Miss uh, Mary on the phone. I feel threatened. Now, what judge would not? issue a temporary restraining order at that point and risk their career. If for no other okay. reason right. to go so back So then to Anthony that. is sleeping like a baby and gets a phone call 4.30 in the morning from the Whippany police that says, you have an hour to turn yourself in or we'll issue a warrant for your arrest. And that's a seven-day, that starts the clock for a seven-day restraining order. And you... Uh, <laughs> You go before the judge uh, in the morning, and they tell you to stay within 500 feet of your house, your ex, the paramour, this thing, that thing. Uh, surrender all your guns. Oh, I don't have any guns. I turned everything over to the business previously, right? So then, okay, let's go to your house. They search your house top to bottom. They don't find anything. They take your key to your house. They boot you in the ass, and they tell you to leave. Seven days later, you go before a superior court judge, and they decide if they're going to issue a final restraining order or drop it. Well, the judge uh, questions your soon-to-be ex-wife and says, uh, specific time, date, location, something happened? Oh, nothing. I'm just, I'm in fear. How many years were together? Fourteen. How many married? Seven. Police ever at the house? No. Complaints ever filed? No. Ever separated during those seven years? Ever, Fourteen years? Ever this? Ever that? No. I do not see any merit in filing a final restraining order. Have a nice day. But the prosecutor in New Jersey has 30 days to investigate. And then when the prosecutor goes around and talks to your ex and her paramour, all of a sudden you're accused of all this shit based on hearsay. I had... A judge, a sitting judge on the bench in open court, tell me and my legal team that he found her paramour's testimony more credible because he's a law enforcement officer. Okay? That's what's called being railroaded. Yeah. yeah. So that started the three-year process. So... I, I'm t I tell people all the time, if, you're, if you think there's a problem, we have gun sitters, we have places where you can store your guns, get rid, because you don't want them in the house. What I did was, when I found out what was going on, she left for work one day, 
I cleaned the house out top to bottom, right. brought all the guns to work, transferred them to the federal book. I made sure I had no toys in my house, you know, because sometimes you collect stuff over 30 years. You have an out-the-front knife or you have maybe a magazine that holds more than 15 rounds at the time. You, When the police came and searched my house, I sat on the front porch with my dog and smoked a cigar, gloating because I knew they weren't going to find anything. Awesome. You know, and then I busted the cops. Except for the midget porn. Oh. Uh, then I busted the cops when they came out. I said, you didn't find anything? No. Well, what about the butter knives? What about the chef's knives? What about the extension cords? Aren't those weapons, too? Well, no, in they, England they are. Yes, they were only fixated. Yeah, touche. No, we're headed they there. Were, they yeah. were only fixated on uh, firearms and, like, knives and stuff. So uh, I've advised hundreds of people over the years and kept hundreds of people out of the same situation. But but that's how the system works. Now, right. I've read all the red flags and and, uh, and the law, and what you're saying here is now, could you imagine me in that same situation after September 1st? You're done. You're done. And yeah. you're done, right, Doc? Yeah. yeah. I, I, part of the problem is that since you don't even know what the allegations are against you, how do you even prepare for this thing? At least in a restraining order situation, you have a vague idea of what might be coming at you. And at least you were, you were questioned before uh, the final restraining order was issued. In these proceedings, you have no idea who's coming at you. That that is is That's concealed. The most part That's the it. most frightening yeah. part, right? Yeah. Until well, how, will this test will will this pass the the smell test with the Supreme Court once the first case gets there? I I don't see how it possibly can. I don't even, see how it even, possibly can. I, even the left on the bench have to recognize this as a problem. I don't know what they have to Cause do. Because the ACLU has come against red flag laws in certain states. Right. The Rhode, the one that I saw was Rhode Island. So I don't know yes. what they're fishing around with up there. But, but Rhode Island's ACLU is very fired up about these bills. Um, and, and I think appropriately because even if you're not a gun person, which is unfortunate, but we'll forgive, uh, <laughs> if, if you have something that eliminates due process, eliminates rules of evidence, violates a number of the Bill of Rights... What are they going to do next, right? In other words, what else are right. they going to come after? Correct. You know. So if you're not getting behind the gun people now, you're next. That's how this works, right? But the ACLU's tend to disregard the Second Amendment well, out of all the rest. I think I think most people understand that the framers had something in mind when they enumerated the rights, which which are God-given rights. The Bill of Rights really restrains the government. It's not so much that it grants us anything. We mm -hmm. had that God-given. It prevents the government. It, it picked the First Amendment first because if you can't speak freely, you have nothing. It made the Second Amendment the Second Amendment because if you didn't have firepower behind it, the framers knew that people get tyrannical. It's as simple as yep. that. And that's why they're in that order. And that can't be violated. It, it ends with shall not be infringed, and yet here we are. And, yep. and the sad thing is that it's the gun people that are going to have to come forward and, and put forward alternatives. Because if we allow the other side to control the narrative, their alternatives to the Second Amendment would be untenable for us. Correct, correct. For you people out there listening, with the, this should be standard procedure. We talk about this all the time on the show, but especially now with Red Flag. Your legally owned firearms and accessories should be stored in one location. Uh, anything that you have that you've been collecting, get rid of it. Okay, that's not compliant because if somebody drops a flag on you, you're done. The police are going to come to your house and Without they're going to confiscate. Yeah, just going to show and, up. And if you right. have some, and Correct. I'm going to tell you something else, some homework you better do. Evan Knappen had a case where a guy got arrested and he had 11 guns and he had sold a gun 
Uh, he did the 4473 form, but he didn't have a copy of it. And he sat in jail for three months because what happens is with a restraining order or a red flag, if it says that Dr. Petrocelli has 11 guns, he does not get released until those 11 guns are accounted for. So they went to his house and they got 10. They're like, all right, Doc, where's the Mossberg 500? I, I sold that many, many years ago. Who did you sell it to? Where's the proof? Do you have a copy of the 4473? Do you have a copy of a receipt so we could ask Dr. Gianella if he was the one that received that gun? No, I don't have it. Well, then we can't release you because it might be hidden under the bed at your mom's house or your aunt's house or at your office or something, and you're going to use it to go kill your strange wife. You're not getting out of jail. You ha everything has to be accounted for. Right. Your paperwork needs to be meticulous. If you have anything that was given to you, passed down over the generations, that's not papered. That shouldn't be with the, that stuff mm -hmm. because they're going to take everything. Yeah. Okay. Initially, they're only going to come in looking for what you have on the books. But you know what? You go to a gun show in Pennsylvania and you buy a switchblade for $30 or you buy an out-the-front knife or you go, oh, let me get a few 30-round magazines. I'll pin them someday because I like the way the banana magazine looks out of my AK or AR. If they're not pinned, now you have more charges stacked on you. Mm -hmm. All right? So you, I'm telling you, I've warned so many people and I've gotten so many phone calls Thank you so much for giving me the heads up. The cops came, blah, 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 blah. I tell the story all the time, Doc. I had a guy, uh, his name was Greg. He came to me 100 years ago, and his girlfriend was threatening to call the police on him. She was very uh, abusive. Mm. And I said, how many guns do you own? He had one gun. He had a Glock 19. This is back in the old days with me. And I said, listen, go to the bullet hole. Drop your gun off to have it clean. This was before gun sitters and everything. I said, the bullet hole doesn't have the greatest paperwork system in the world. The gun could sit there for a few weeks or months before they call you. Mm -hmm. He dropped the gun off. About three days later, he calls me up. He was sleeping on the couch. Cops came to the door in Bloomfield. She called the cops and said he pulled the gun out and put it in her head uh, and threatened to kill her. The cops searched the whole house, didn't find the gun. He showed the receipt that he dropped the gun wow. off three days earlier. Mm. They arrested her for filing a false report. To get away from her, he sold, let the gun at the bullet, he sold it, and he joined the Army. Well, every, every time he's home on leave, he comes here to shoot, and he tells whoever he's with that I saved his life. You did. All right? Because, you that you know, you you have to prepare for the worst, with, even pre-red flag. Sure. But now post-red flag, you have to prepare for the yeah. worst. Yeah. You think you're a – everybody thinks they're a badass. Oh, God, don't let them come and take my high-cap mag. Let them come. Okay. And then when the police come, like Evan Knapp and sat in that seat that you're in, many times Dawkins says – Every day, people walk into his office and give a $10,000 retainer and say, I cannot believe I'm in the position I'm in. Mm -hmm. I've been a law-abiding citizen all right. my life. Right. How did this happen? Right. happened to me sitting in a holding cell three times. Right. Go ahead, Doc. The thing that's amazing is that for the states that have data, concealed carry permit holders, and this is not to mean any offense to law enforcement, but concealed carry permit holders are more law-abiding than law enforcement officers. So for the states of Florida and Texas where they have the data, if, if you actually get a concealed carry permit, the likelihood you're going to break the law in any capacity is less than most law enforcement. So what's was mind-boggling about the infringements is it's infringing on the people who are the least likely <laughs> of to course. break yeah. the law. Of course. And we're the ones. Who, who do you want to – if you're in a – this is what's amazing, right? So we have these gun-free zones. Right, because criminals check the sign and says, "Well, it's a gun-free yeah. zone. I, I, gotta, I, I better to put my AR back yeah. in the car." Right? right? 
this is exactly where you want concealed carry permit holders. You don't want people to be infringed. You want them to come to a beautiful range like this, get educated, get trained, and carry. <coughs> and instead they do the opposite. More convenience stores are robbed in southern New Jersey than northern Delaware because in Delaware you're allowed to carry a gun concealed even while you're working. So the bad guys and girls, they know that. They drive okay. across the bridge, they know that. the store, and go back. Right. So I got pulled over by a cop the other day. So I have to ask your professional opinion, Doc. I got pulled over by the cop. and Would this, would this initiate a red flag? Ah, you know, there's, there's, there's gray areas in all law, Mr. Calandre. Okay. The cop pulled me over. Maybe, and well, I, that's the flagpole, right? As, that's yeah, what you meant. Yeah, as Ainsley pole. Reynolds would say, he came up to the passenger window, and I gave the cop the half a peace sign. <laughs> And uh, I don't know. Would that? <laughs> we'd, we'd have to ask President Trump whether or not uh, you should be red flagged now. But but it, all joking aside, it, the problem with with these kind of things it's in the eye of the beholder now. Right? Yes. Yeah. So if 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 the beholder feels threatened, well now they're they're going to pursue it, and and now amazingly feelings become facts before these things because there's no rules of evidence and and who knows where that ends you know there's another there's another uh, angle that people really haven't thought about how many cops are going to be subjected to this because you hear about cops all the time where like my ex used the guns as a tool she tried to use criminal allegations to gain advantage in a civil case which she was warned uh, in court by that so you hear about it all the time where cops will you know they'll take their gun away and give them a desk job or whatever but now how many times is this going to happen where a cop is going to get red flagged now what if a cop pulled me over and what if I said the cop said you know like he's going to blow my effing head off or something can I red flag him yes right uh, yeah, see how far I, they can. Yeah, that's what well, I was going to say. I'm, right? ju I'm just curious. Well, but but you look, we're all equal, but some of us are more equal than others. Yes, George so, Orwell. Thank so you, yeah. George Orwell. We know all about that. <laughs> so I have a feeling that that, that wouldn't go very far. Okay. You know, in, in the course of their duties, th there's going to be a wider a wider berth for them. Right. right? So that, but what about home? What about domestic situations? What about an I argument with your next-door neighbor? Look, it depends on how paranoid it. you want to get. So one of the things that, that some people worry about is that they're going to red flag people to disarm them and then go rob them. Right? Right. In, other words, if, in other words, if a criminal uses sure. this, right, they're going to say, oh, you know, Mr. Calandro's got a nice place. Let me go make sure he has no weapons, and then I'm going to rob him. So, uh, we, in other words, the, the red flag could not only be weaponized by the gun confiscators, right? That we could see. Mm -hmm. uh, not, a, not only could it be weaponized by people that uh, have something uh, personal against us that has nothing to do with violence, but a criminal element can get a hold of it. Sure. And, and without rules of evidence, it's going to be very easy for them to hijack that. So, uh, you know, Especially starting with a very good intention of wanting to disarm dangerous people, now we're, we're, we're disarming anybody. And, and that's horrifying. You're right, especially in the neighborhoods where people are most vulnerable. Right. We had uh, Tony Simon last week who talked about an old neighborhood he lived in in Trenton where across the street the uh, relative was selling drugs out of the home. Just came, moved in, started selling drugs out of the home. Right. Now, he knew Tony had a firearm. Tony's a firearms instructor. All he has to do is call the Trenton police sure. and say, oh, you know, I think he's unstable. Right, he's unstable. I saw him brandish, you right. know, who, who knows? Right. Any number of things, right? Now, I have a gun. He doesn't. And it's, you know, it's interesting because we had Loretta Weinberg, who was the state Senate president here, sitting in that very chair that you're in. And when we talked to her about the magazine ban, 
mm-hmm. um, and said there, there was when the magazine ban came in, there was as of a certain date, you couldn't uh, dispose of it, you couldn't transport it, you couldn't alter it, you couldn't, and on and on and on and on. I said, well, what are people supposed to do? Eat it? <laughs> you know? And she said, well, that, that couldn't be. It is. You sponsored the bill. They don't you don't read even the bills. know what's in the bill. They don't read the bills. So no. when, when I when – I, uh, the way Virginia did this, right? So you know about our governor who's embattled for a variety of reasons. He looks good in blackface. <laughs> right. Did the whole blackface thing. Um, so how does he redeem himself? Well, let's do gun control. Let's distract everybody. Yes. Um, yep. He had these uh, town hall meetings, right? People – were invited to be at the table, and only those people could talk. The rest of us had to just watch. We couldn't even talk, right? So my wife uh, uh, parachuted in behind enemy lines into one of them and got a seat at the table. They let her talk. They didn't realize that she was not invited. And then they were stunned when she said uh, pro-gun things in terms of domestic violence victims. Mm, and so I but love wait, her. you're sitting with the group here. That's you right. You can't say they that. They couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it came out of her mouth. Um, <laughs> the, the Secretary of, of Public Safety came to one of these town halls and afterwards took questions. So we asked him questions. And we said, well, what, what guns are you trying to ban? Because l- let's stop the nonsense. You're trying to take guns. So which ones? He said, well, um, the semi-automatics. And we said, all of them? So then he flipped around in his binder and looked up the bill, and it's, it's a lot of them <laughs> that he wants to ban. Um, one of the funniest comments, it's, it's really not funny, but uh, an ex-New Yorker is now in Virginia, and was talking about the magazine uh, limits. And he said, well, if you're going to put a limit on the number of magazines, please pass a corresponding bill that limits gangs of muggers to the capacity of my magazine. So if I only have 10 bullets, please pass a law, make sure no more than 10 muggers at a time. He had been mugged by a very large gang in New York, and that's why he left. Um, but that's that's the senselessness of the, sure. bill, of the bill, right? The criminals have no restrictions on them. If I need 17 rounds to defend myself, then I need 17 rounds. How How is that changing and, anything? And when criminals commit a crime, the first thing they do is plea bargain the gun charge out. Every time. Every time. So we had in Virginia a means to deal with uh, criminality. We had Project Exile. Tell, tell, tell us when we come back. Project Exile. Quiet, Sandy. For many people walking into a range the first time, it's quite intimidating. So when you walk in through the double doors, the first thing you'll see on your left is a concierge. When people walk in, they can take a tour of the range, or maybe they're coming in for an appointment with one of my instructors or me, and they'll be directed to the right classroom. It kind of softens the entire experience. It makes people feel more at home. As you walk further into the range, you're going to notice we have New Jersey's only indoor 50-yard range, which is heated and air-conditioned. The dividers at each port are bulletproof. They're extra-wide ports so two people can stand side-by-side and shoot. There's lights in the ports so you're well-lit. We also have three times as much light down range that the average range would have because I believe it's important that the targets are well-lit. Our target retrieval system is all digital. You program how many feet you want to send it out, and it stays there. Both of our ranges are tactically baffled, which means when we run our higher level courses, you can move forward to the firing line and shoot in any direction, and bullets can't escape. 
When you come out of the 50-yard range, to your left you'll see our large classroom, and go back up to the concierge and make a right, we have two smaller classrooms. And those classrooms are for small one-on-one -on -one classes, our Build-A-Bear, Building an AR. As you enter through there, you'll see that we have a uh, portal with a key to go into our Platinum Lounge. They can sit around and watch TV on the leather uh, chairs or couches, and they can maybe work deals with their uh, clients. And you normally don't see a cafe in an indoor range. In New Jersey, we have this archaic law where you're only supposed to go from your house to the range, range to the house with no unnecessary deviations. I'm seeing a lot more families coming in now where they have multiple kids and the wife will stay in the cafe with one or two kids and they'll do a handoff. To me, it's very important that people are treated like family, so the bathrooms are very high-end. We use marble and corian and really nice tile and full-length dividers so that people are comfortable when they come in. When you exit the bathroom, you'll see the Gun For Hire radio studio where Sandy and I tape our show. After you pass that and you make a left, you'll notice our retail area. Over 120 firearms for rent. As you turn 180 degrees, you see the large sections of bulletproof glass. That's our 25-yard range. And inside our 25-yard range, we have 13 ports. Those ports are even wider than the 50-yard range. Both ranges have full-time range safety officers. In case you have any questions or concerns, they're there to help you. With the news, events, and political shenanigans impacting your freedom, you're listening to Gun For Hire Radio, the most listened to Second Amendment broadcast in the nation. Then Project Exile. Hi. The, the Cheeseman case is proceeding. The U.S. Supreme Court has it. And New Jersey has responded with a bunch of crap. Uh, no, Mark yeah. Cheeseman no, and so. yep, Mark Cheeseman and Jay Factor are coming on soon. Pretty soon, there's going to be about thirty Second Amendment cases sitting on the Supreme Court on hold, waiting for the New York State Rifle and Pistol case. This is going to be an interesting fall at the Supreme Court. By the way, listen, GoFundMe.com forward slash Restore dash Carry dash NJ. GoFundMe.com forward slash Restore dash Carry dash NJ. Get on this case and support it. Uh, also, let's talk about like me, share me, follow me, obviously. Ants Rants are on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, Gun For Hire Radio is in Google Play Store and iTunes because Sandy doesn't want us anywhere else. I have no idea why, uh, but that's his problem. Don't talk to it's me. Not Sandy? I, it's not that I don't Sandy, want us there. It's just that they won't allow us. I know because I cuss. Yeah. Sandy, uh, Mr. Wagoner from Colorado said we're both dumb because we forgot the name. It was the Kitty Genovese Kitty case Genovese, yeah. where nobody did anything. Right. We are both dumb. Yes, He's and he had a story. Absolutely right. Earlier this year, he was in a hotel 2 o'clock in the morning. Somebody was disturbing the peace. So after 15 minutes, I called the police, and I remember Ma what Masad Ayub said. I gladly offered to sign the complaint at the end of it. The officer asked me, why did you call this in? I asked if he had studied the Kid Kitty Genovese case at the academy he had not and he never heard of it she was why he i never called heard of nope it. she was why i called 911 and gave wow. my name who knows i could very well have saved two lives that night or maybe a city block in this post 911 america at the least i am a citizen of this republic and it was my duty wagoner colorado usa thank you for your support yes. thank you for remembering uh, that we're going to be sure to take our uh Aricept, uh that doesn't work yes by the way the nra is having a personal 
walk around with an IV drip of veterans. I love it. NRA is having a personal protection expo coming up uh, in two weeks, and Jimmy and Bobby Prowse will be teaching. So go to nrapersonalprotectionexpo.com, nrapersonalprotectionexpo.com, September 6th to 9th. I will not be here. I'll be in Charleston. So I heard this food's good there, so I'm going to check it awesome. out because it's all about food for me. So, Doc, back to – it is. What else it's do true. I have no, left? That's true. We, don't, I have we have nothing cigars left and food. No, if they're it. taking this food is, from you, we got yes, problems. Somebody yes. asked me the other day, would you like to have good sex or a good meal? First thing I asked was, what What's kind of bread dinner? comes with the meal? <laughs> okay. That's it. True. That's, uh, that's it. Um, what kind of bread? Men of a certain age. Seriously, yeah. if it's Wonder Bread, then I'll take option two. But if it's any other kind of bread, <laughs> I know my decision. There you go. Anyway, <laughs> Project Exile. Wait, 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 Doc. New York bread? Is it New York bread? Real, real quick before Project Exile. So Tom Miller from Coldwater, Michigan, had a question. He says, so if the red flag law is initiated, Will the police show up if you have a large collection? Will they show up with 50 gun cases to put your rifles and shotguns, or will they throw them all together? 50 well, blue barrels, maybe. Well, I'm going to tell you what happens. It depends on the police department. Now, Charlie Padula works for me, Belleville cop, retired now, gun lover. When they used to have to go and get guns from people, Charlie would put them in cases, socks, oh, whatever, yeah. lean them up, whatever he wanted to, uh, because he was a gun guy, and he rep- appreciated and respected them for their history. East Hanover. Your guns were confiscated. When you went to get them, they were all stuck in blue barrels and rusted, banged up, knocked up, expensive guns, Parker shotguns. It does, does Hollands and Hollands. Oh. Treat it the same as a Jennings or a Brightco or a Raven. So it depends on the police department how they're going to handle your guns. That's, that's a fact there. Yeah. So Project Exile, sir. Yeah, so back in the early O's, um, Richmond, like a lot of other cities, had a problem with gang violence, drug violence, and so forth. Um, and with some federal help, um, wrote some laws that if you committed a felony with an illegal firearm or were a prohibited person with a firearm, you additionally got five years non-negotiable on top of whatever else you got. 40% drop in crime in the city. It's extraordinarily effective. So I think that was part of a federal initiative. There were grants and so forth that uh, that promulgated that. That dried up, so that went away, and now we have the problem back. So the point I want to make is that there are ways to deal with types of violence that are targeted to the type of violence, right? So instead of a red flag law that goes after anything and everything that moves, figure out what kind of problem you want to solve and then go after it. Um, In terms of mental health, you look at Virginia, they're complaining about all these suicide deaths. They are tragic. They should not happen. Virginia is 31st in the nation in terms of per capita spending on mental health. It spends less than one-third what the top states spend on mental health. You want to go after two-thirds of the supposed gun violence epidemic? Spend on mental health. Don't take my guns. Spend on mental health. Um, the, the other thing I think um, what, what actually makes sense, it's, it's actually tough to come up with a mnemonic for it. So I was on Cam Edwards' program, Cam and Company, and I was thinking, well, what, what would we call this thing that would be legitimate and, and pass some kind of muster? And so what I came up with was pause, like the pause of an animal. Mm-hmm. Right? And what that would stand for is post-adjudication weapon safety. So if there was a legitimate hearing that committed you to a psychiatric hospital, if there was a legitimate proceeding that you were then convicted of a crime and become a prohibited person, 
there's some states that don't have anything after that in terms of the weapons. And I could, I could understand that that mm-hmm, would be mm-hmm. an area that we would want to plug that. So Virginia doesn't particularly have anything uh, clear on the books about that. You would invoke pause and say, look, you are now a prohibited person at this point because your due process was protected and after that you became prohibited. Now we need to secure the weapons. And in a state like Virginia, what I would hope for is that they would be transferred to non-prohibited persons that are family members, right? So that, that, that's something that's doable legally in our state. I think in, Virginia, in New Jersey, it would be different. They'd have to go to a federally licensed firearm bureau sure. or something like that. Yes, um, exactly. But that, that's the kind of thing that I would want the gun community thinking about. Because if we don't start coming up with solutions, they're going to be imposed on us even though we're not the ones breaking the law, even though we're the ones that have the Second Amendment behind us, uh, I think we need to start thinking about something that addresses some of the concerns that might be out there, but do it in a way that protects due process. And we can't do it by red flag law. So a lot of these politicians say, well, we'll, we'll, we'll graph some due process in there. You know, we'll, we'll spatter it on. It doesn't work that way. The whole red flag proposition of taking someone's Second Amendment rights before they even exercise their First Amendment rights is ridiculous. It's dead on arrival. We can't have that. Only after there's been a proper adjudication should there be any consideration of the weapons. Wow. You're absolutely right. Sandy, as a doctor, what's your opinion on all of this? Obviously, you know, I mean, Dennis is absolutely right. I mean, the thought of someone just, without your knowledge, that's the biggest problem, without your knowledge, just showing up... Two o'clock in the morning, and you know they're not going to do it at two in the afternoon. No, they do it early in the morning. This is probably one of the few interventions that the public health people are promulgating Mm -hmm. that has a risk of death. Yes. Right? So they served one of these things on a guy in Maryland. They came early in the morning. I don't know whether he was fully awake or not or what, but what, what the police are saying is that after they explained, well, we're here to take your weapons, he reached for one. They killed him. Right. So in terms of of an intervention that's designed to save lives, it actually has a death rate now. Right. So what I would ask is that all the public health people put that back into your statistical mix. Right. You've served X number of these things in Maryland. I think it's in the hundreds at this point. And you've already got your first death as as a direct function. As a direct result of that. Of implementing this. Right. Never mind looking downstream and see how many of these people go on. In other words, if if you're a firearms person, your guns are taken, that's demoralizing. Correct. You know, you you can speak firsthand to that. So are we we making people more dangerous, making them more suicidal? We have to focus on the person, not the the means. And and that's something I think that they really want to avoid at all costs. At all costs. You know, they want to focus on the tool versus on the action or on the the person. It's akin to uh, taking away a car that drives drunk. Correct. And yet they don't care. They don't really, it's not their agenda. You know, we've seen it, you know, from the belly of the, I've seen it from the belly of the beast Mm -hmm. uh, with uh, the funding that goes to CDC. God forbid you come up with the wrong. It's already a preconceived conclusion, and then let's work back. Let's make the data work backwards to get where we need to That's be. That's absolutely what it is. The, the most of these entities, professional organizations in medicine, public health, allied health, have stated that the fewer guns that are out there, the safer society is going to be. That that is their their premise, their their policy driver. They make. No Based on about completely that. erroneous data. Completely erroneous data. They, they don't look at the defensive gun usages right. at all. Um, and then, unfortunately, one study gets out there, and instead of looking at how 
that study used statistics. They just quote it right. over and over and over again. Um, it, it's not as if these bills are new. Like I said, Connecticut's had one for decades now. And, uh, and of course, it prevented Newtown. Beautifully, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's outrageous. It's yeah. absolutely outrageous. It, there was a story in CNN probably a couple of weeks ago. Uh, three people um, in various states um, were thwarted uh, in apparent efforts to do things. So they each had made threats. In no instance was a red flag law used. They were charged criminally. They said, I'm going to go shoot this up, mm-hmm, or I want to mm-hmm. shoot that, et cetera. They were charged criminally. They became prohibited persons, and the firearms were taken. We, we could use the criminal system. Sure. Right. Why have we lost faith in the, in, in the right. criminal justice system? Use it. There's no need for a red flag law. Especially s- since there's, it's completely arbitrary. A nurse's aide somewhere can just make the claim. Right. And, and it's done. I, it's funny. There are, there are a couple of uh, – I have to be careful here. There are a couple of uh, educators at, Meow. At, at my gym, and two of them were – elated over this that they could now turn in people and uh, you know nobody really knows that I'm, I'm even a firearms owner except for the state trooper I you know work out with in the morning but and he's questionable so <laughs> but um, and I think sadly that that is in part the purpose of this yes right yes, so in I other words so. yeah. um, I think those of us that enjoy the use of firearms uh, enjoy the security that comes from being able to carry really want to share that right it's one of the most welcoming communities there is yes, yes. how could we do that right. if we're afraid to even let anyone know we're a member right. Doc, I can't thank you enough for coming forward and being a part of this fight. I'm sure you lost about 80% of your so-called colleagues and friends out there. Bye-bye. Bye-bye is right. I love that. I love that. I love that. Don't forget, Jimmy and Bobby Prouse will be at the Carry Guard Expo September 6th to 9th. Uh, We have Range Safety Officer, Urban Pistol. Uh, Atenzia Pen and Knife, September 15th. A whole slew of instructor courses. And uh, please check out Dr. Dennis Petricelli from Virginia. I will be posting his info. Can't thank you enough. Get ready for this red flag law. Make sure you clean your house and your collection up. Doc, thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Dennis, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. It's just, I hope you guys listen to this because... This is real, and, and you know what we're talking about is not something that we're dreaming up. It's something that's coming down the pike. What is it? September? September 1st. September 1st. Better to prevent than try and undo. Yeah, absolutely. True. Good. I'm stealing that. Oh, great. Mm. One more thing to steal. Well, it looks like you've done it again. You've wasted yet another perfectly good hour listening to Gun for Hire Radio. Gun for Hire Radio is a counterfeit media production. The music used in this broadcast is managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. On behalf of our show, Hostmaster Trainer Anthony Calandro and the rest of the crew here at Gun for Hire Radio, we do thank you so much for listening. And the volume is the volume. There's nothing we can huh? do about him. He, huh? You, you have to see this. It's just the way it is. Huh? Well, we love you guys. See you next week. Shine.